This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. This is us. Thank you guys, all you guys who are watching online, those of you who, are, who have uh, shared. Man, we've got a ton of people that have shared. Uh, numbers are a little down. Please continue to share, the, share that live stream. They're, they're higher than they've been the last few weeks as we've had people in person, which we expected. But, uh, but man, we want get to that, get that live stream out there and, uh, and get people uh, plugged in. Like I said, um, we, um, we are going to do, uh, this is week three of This Is Us. Uh, two weeks ago, we did This Is Us part one. We called Necessary Us. We talked about through how through good, healthy, godly relationships, you should attain three things. A transformed life, our life should be changed for the good. Secondly, a life of accountability, our life should, it should help our life stay on track because of the relationships in our lives. And thirdly, our life should be strengthened because we, we, we should just simply be stronger because of those people that we are allowing to walk along with us in this life. And so we established in week one that God created us with a need for relationship. And then last week, we began to talk about the fact that relationships can be difficult. The example we gave last week, we began talking about, we talked about diversity, talked about how we're all so crazy different. And so that's what we called week two, Diverse Us. We talked about three things. We said diversity is a very good God idea. God created all creation, said it was good, but it says when he created Adam and Eve, who we know man and woman are very different, he said it was very good in the midst of their diversity. Secondly, we said diversity is often a human struggle. And thirdly, we said that diversity makes us stronger. So as we pursue relationships, we know that we find all sorts of difficulties along the way. And like we talked about last week, like our diversity. But we also talked about how, for the example of diversity, that God takes pleasure in and he delights in our differences. He created those differences in us. And so those differences are not a reason to abandon relationships, how often do we do that, though? We abandon relationships because of the difficulties, because of the differences. But, guys, obviously, God expects us to navigate through those tough times in the midst of everything. It's navigate through those differences um, that we find in our relationships. Okay, so think for a moment your best relationship. So hopefully a person's popping in your head right now, not a pet. Okay, We're talking about humans, okay? So think for a moment your best relationship no matter who it's with, it has probably has been or currently is messy. And though it is messy, it is worth it. Say, it is worth it. It is worth it. Guys, that's what we want you to walk away with today is that relationships are messy and the mess is worth it. Okay? So, once again, think about that person. For some of you, it may be several. Um, but stop and think about your most satisfying relationship. Now, I want you to answer these questions about that relationship. Are you ready? Have you ever felt misunderstood? Have you ever been hurt by what that other person said? Have you ever felt like you haven't been heard? Have you ever been betrayed? Have you ever had to work through a misunderstanding? I don't know why I looked at you at that one. <laughs> Have you ever disagreed on a decision? Have you ever been let down? Have you ever felt used? Have you ever struggled to resolve a conflict? You know, I would say for Rob and I that Rob is that person. When you say, like, number one relationship, best relationship, you know, I, do you agree? Like, I know I feel that way. Do you agree? Uh... Most days? Yeah. Okay, good, good. Yeah, you hesitated way too long. Um, here's the deal. You know, we would consider our marriage to be strong. We would consider um, it to be loving. And we would probably answer yes to every single one of those questions that I just listed. Miss Carlina just said that she knows she can be a hot mess sometimes. <laughs> I think we can all be a hot mess sometimes. And, you know, so just think about that for a moment. That, you know, these difficulties apply to our best relationships. How much more does this apply to relationships that are even more difficult or more challenging or newer relationships? Um, these, so we know that some relationships are more difficult than others. It's very true. <laughs> <laughs> so just think about that for a moment. And that's really what we're going to talk about today is we've got three points that we um, want to talk about. So the first one here. I'll do. Number one. 
Number one, first thing we want to mention to you today, and let me mention again, the notes are in the Version Bible app, so if you want to jump on that real quick, or if you want to download those, or email them to yourself, whatever, you can do that to follow along with us. But first point I want to make today is that God knew relationships would be messy. God knew it. God knew relationships would be messy. And guys, all we got to do is look at the first few chapters in Genesis. And I, I, I first put down... Adam and Eve, but, but I thought, no, no, we got to back up for a second. The first messy relationship was Adam and God. Adam and God. We see Adam, he would, we was walking each day with God in the cool of the day, and Adam chose to rebel against Father. And so from the very first person in creation, the very first relationship of mankind, we see a mess. And interesting in that, that we were created for relationship with him. How crazy is that? But he knew that it would be a mess sometimes. And so God deemed, obviously, because he continued on with us, he deemed it not only necessary, but worth it. We see Adam, and by, by chapter 3, obviously, Adam blames Eve for his failure. We see another chapter later, we see Cain jealous of his brother and killing him. And by chapter 9, we see Noah's son Ham mocking his father in his drunkenness instead of covering his father's shame. That's in the first nine chapters of the Bible. Relationships were a mess right from the very beginning. So God knew that relationships would be messy, and he still deemed it necessary and worth it. So why is it that things seem to be so messy and complicated when it comes to relationships? <laughs> Any thoughts there? I don't know if anybody's going to answer. <laughs> the ten people in here. Talk back to this place. <laughs> I've got an answer for you. James chapter 4, verse 1. It says, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires that are war within you? And so to answer that, I feel that a lot of times the real problem why relationships are so messy is because it's what's on the inside of us. What we want for ourselves and others becomes more important to us sometimes than even God himself. We have made ourselves top priority and God second. Remember last week how we talked about some of the self-sins? We talked about self-centeredness, self-rules, self-sufficiency, self-righteousness, Self-satisfaction, self. Oftentimes, relationships are messy because of us, our hearts, our desires that we are putting above what God wants. And talking about selfishness, I mean, God knew, God knew what was going to happen. From the beginning, he knew what was going to happen. He knew what Adam and Eve were going to do. And he knew that Adam and Eve and the rest of mankind following after, he knew that in their sin they would be inherently selfish, which is the root of the mess of relationships. God knew that. So from that point onward, the Bible assumes the position that because of this, relationships on this side of creation will, I mean this side of eternity, will be messy and they will require a lot of work. And so our experience in relationships should help us to understand why the Bible is constantly giving us so many commands like be patient, be kind, be loving, be gentle, be forgiving, be humble. That's the reason the Bible has to tell us these things because of our selfishness, which makes relationship a mess between mankind and God and between Mankind and mankind, I guess, in the, in the midst of it all. But look at this. Look at a few things the Bible says. John 15, 12. This is my command. You guys know this. Love one another in the same way I have loved you. Guys, he would only have to tell us to love one another if he knew he wouldn't love one another. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. It says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. He told us these things because he knew this wasn't inherently the way we would respond. 
Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, talking about parents and children. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. He had to say that because he knew that the relationship between parent and child would get messy. So God tells us all these things because he knew the difficulties that we would face in relationships in this life, and he knew that we would need guidance to navigate through these issues so that we could have good, godly, healthy relationships in the midst of everything else going on. So God knew that relationships would be messy, even though he deemed them necessary. So point number one right here, Rob just said it. God knew that relationships would be messy. We kind of established the why behind that. Everybody just point at yourself (laughs) because it involves people, right? Um, Number two is messy is worth it. And so I briefly want to hit that for a moment. You know, we've established that God declares relationships to be critical in our lives. We've established the fact that they can be messy. Um, But with all of that said, we can also conclude that even though they are messy, relationships are worth the complicated mess and are still necessary in our lives. You know, Rob and I joked just a moment about marriage and how we would say yes to probably that, I don't know, eight questions or so. Um, we've had good times and we've had bad times, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. It I, is. I've hurt you before? Yes, numerous times. I've misunderstood you before? <laughs> uh, often. <laughs> and, and, and we, Today. No, I think today we might be all right. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, guys, and so the reality is that it, it's worth it. Like, I wouldn't trade that negativity, those hard things that we walked through, maybe those um, times we were misunderstood, those times we didn't agree, because as we came through them, we didn't stay there, we became stronger, and we began to trust one another better. And so it was so worth it and so necessary. I wouldn't want to be married to anybody else. I wouldn't want to start over. Um, yeah, <laughs> um, it's just so worth it. Um, so we have to fight through the mess to gain the rewards that come from relationships with others. You know, we have fought through a mess. We've been married 20, Four. 24 years. And plus. And it's better now than it's ever been. But guys, Thank we goodness. had to fight through some mess and some moments. And still at times, occasionally, things raise up its ugly head or self screams. And we have to recognize that and work through it. And so that's what I want you to recognize with point number two is that messy is worth it. Is we are pursuing godly, Christian, healthy relationships, it is worth it. So God knew the relationships would be messy. The mess is absolutely worth it. I, I just, we decided not to spend any more time on that because it's obvious from Scripture where God's leading us. It's obvious that God deems relationships necessary. He takes delight in our differences. They cause problems in our lives. He wants us to navigate through them, and it's going to be worth it. And so the third thing we want to mention to you, the last thing is we must deal with the messy. Say, deal with it. Deal with it. We can't ignore if it. If you're stand, sitting there with your spouse, don't, you might not want to say it to them. You, you <laughs> might stir something up. You need to deal with Let's it. Let's get through the message I, first and give yeah. you the how-tos. But, but obviously, guys, this is, just, this is just common sense reasoning as we look at Scripture. Obviously, we've got to deal with the mess in the relationships that we encounter in this life. Even though our automatic instinct for some of us, when we encounter issues and mess in our relationships, maybe you're... Uh, automatic instinct is to close down, or maybe it's to run, or maybe it's to abandon. It's not what God's called us to do. He's called us to fight for it, to fight for these relationships. And so uh, I was thinking in this that really the first step in dealing with the messy is what Shauna just mentioned a minute ago for just a moment. It's recognizing our part in it. It's hard. Everybody say humility. Humility. It's tough to have conflict in a relationship when you're taking the place of humility. When you both humble yourself, you're going to generally come to a place of reconciliation in the midst of everything. But it's our pride and our selfishness that, that we end up dealing with that causes problems. We've got to remember that we generally cannot change anybody else but ourselves. We, we want to change. Sometimes we want to change our spouse. We see things in them, in them that we want to change. We can't change anything anybody else but ourselves. The real thing, the only thing that we can really do that could bring change in somebody's life is to love like Jesus loved and to remain humble in the midst of it all. But change always starts in our own hearts first. In relationships, 
we have all failed somebody at times. We've all abandoned somebody. We've all disappointed somebody. We've let people down. We've rejected people. We've offended people. We are all guilty because we're human beings. And boy, are we quick to forgive ourselves. Uh, way quicker than we forgive those who have done these things to us. But we are all guilty. And, and you guys know this passage, but look, look, at, look at what the Apostle Paul says in, in Romans chapter 7, in verses 21 through 25. He says, I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what's right, I inevitably do what's wrong. How many of you have been there? I love God's law with all my heart, but, everybody say, but, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. How many of you have been at war with that power in your mind? This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person that I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Somebody say, thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. Guys, that's the Apostle Paul. Dealing with self in his own life. So why in relationships do we feel that we must make a wrong right? Anybody ever been there? <laughs> I'm going to get even. We want to have I'm, that last word. I'm going to win the fight. I'm going to be right. Uh, why do we justify our response? You know, we have to come to the place that we must realize that we are responsible for how we react. And so I kind of thought of a little scenario here. Some of you guys might can relate or not, but let's just, um, let's say that you're married, right? And so let's say I'm married, I'm at home, I'm in the kitchen, and I am preparing dinner for my family because I want to serve my family and I love my family and I want my family to eat. So my motivation for fixing dinner is I love my family. And then I've got this amazing husband here who, you know what, he's like, you know, I just want to bless my family. I want to bless my wife. And so I am going to begin unloading the dishwasher. And I'm going to put things where they go because I want to bless my wife. That all sounds great, right? Until I'm cooking and I need something and I go to get it and he's in my way. <laughs> We've, Dude, never been there. We've never been there. I'm trying to cook. Can you not move? And then here he is. I'm trying to get this in the cabinet, and you're in the way. Okay, so like bickering can sometimes begin to happen <laughs> back and forth. And so the next thing you know, you're like, oh, all I wanted to do was fix dinner for my family, and now you're in my way, and you're slowing it down, and I could have just done the dishwasher myself. Oh, can you just leave or go somewhere? This might be something that you've experienced <laughs> or not. What's the problem all of a sudden? We both started out with very pure motives to serve the other, but somebody messed up our plan and it became about us. We began to get inconvenienced and it didn't happen the way we wanted it to. And you could probably apply that to a bunch of different things. And so what starts, <laughs> you have something in mind. And she laughing. is speaking from personal experience. We are really good at getting under each other's feet. <laughs> and then add a dog to it. <laughs> and then our dog who spreads Love, himself out across like the step kitchen and floor there. whenever we're both, both in there. Yeah. We're tripping over <laughs> each other and the dog. Would you just move? My goodness. You know, and so even in situations like that, we might want to be quick to blame the other person. Like, well, just get out of my way or just wait a minute. <laughs> and, you know, and so you want to place the blame instead of just pause for a moment and then continue to move forward. Or Carlina said it's better just to go out to eat. <laughs> but then you got to argue about where you're going to go to eat, Carlina. <laughs> we, how many times have we argued about where, where you going to eat? I don't, I don't know. know. You make decisions. Where do you want to go? I don't know. I'm not Mexican. I don't feel like Mexican. Uh, are they <gasps> open? Yeah. <laughs> So the struggle is real, guys. So here's what we're getting at. Micah chapter 6, verse 8, right here. It says, Oh, people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what, the, and this is what he requires of you. Do what is right to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. And so, guys, right here, the Scripture has given us guidance on how to respond when maybe we've 
been done wrong, when maybe you've been sinned against. I mean, the kitchen issues might be kind of minor, but, but a lot most of times, issues are. That's or they start minor, most and then we don't communicate, petty. and they get really big, and so something yeah. little then just explodes. And so you know, we oftentimes tend to add trouble to trouble. You know, many times we love to overcome evil with evil um, rather than evil with good. And so here, how are a few ways that we do this? So just for a moment, you know, think when is the last time you've been wronged? Don't look at the person if they're in the room or next to you, but just think for a moment, maybe the last time you were wrong. You know, how did you respond? A lot of times when it's about self one of the ways that we respond is with bitterness. I can't believe that she did that to me. Another way that we respond is sometimes in gossip. We go to somebody, let me tell you what my, what, let me tell you what Rob did in the kitchen. I was trying to cook, and then he got in my way, and then he, can, then he saw I was irritated, so then he was just going to, like, do it some more just to irritate some more. And we kind of gossip about the situation to vent it. Um, Okay, how about this one? I'm sure none of you are guilty of this, but um, <laughs> some of us try to seek vengeance. Um, maybe this. God, you know what they did to me was wrong. When are you going to strike them with lightning? When are you going to take them out? Can you please let them hurt as bad as I hurt right now? It's not fair. It's not right. Some of us have gone there. Or the last one right here. How about we respond sometimes in anger? How dare you do such a thing to me? And anger just bubbles up and boils out of us in ugly words and thoughts. <laughs> thoughts can be read by our faiths and actions come out. And so when it comes to sins that others commit against us, we tend to respond to them in destructive ways. And this is wrong. <laughs> and Scripture encourages us to think Actually, not scripture. We often think that our biggest problem is outside of ourselves. Like, he is the problem. She is the problem. The coworker is the problem. My manager is the problem. My child is the problem. When oftentimes, you need to look within yourself and look at your heart and let the Lord work through that situation to love. And I think that's what we find, and I think the Bible is clear on that, that, that even when we're done wrong, uh, the reality is, um, you know, we, we love to talk about our rights, but really what we have is a responsibility in how we respond in a situation. We, I have a right to be angry. I have a right to this. I have a right to that. No, you have a responsibility to respond righteously in the middle of the situation, and we've got to remember that ultimately, um, before God, our biggest problem is still our own heart's tendency uh, to sin and, and to respond poorly in, in the midst of everything. And so when, you know, when we are tempted, when, uh, let's say when somebody sins against us, we are many times tempted to respond in sin as well. And so, um, so Paul actually identifies, we're going to go for just a minute, and this will kind of be, we're going to kind of close with this. It will take a few minutes, but we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4. And in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul identifies seven tendencies of the sinful heart that, um, that I guess you would say is, is damaging to relationships. And really, it's, it disrupts God's purpose in our life, and it requires us to, as, as Paul said, to consist, consistently battle it in our mind. So he talks about these, these seven uh, tendencies of the sinful heart. And so we'll look at this, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 32, and then we're going to break that, that passage down for just a few minutes and, and see how that applies to our life today. But uh, bear, bear with me. It's quite a few verses, but bear with me here for just a minute and follow along. It says, With the Lord's authority I say this, Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and you have learned the truth that com comes from Him... Throw off your old sinful nature and your old former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil." 
If you were a thief, quit stealing. <laughs> Instead, use your hands for good hard work and give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Guys, that is crazy. Do not bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He has identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ Jesus, has forgiven you. Man, there's a lot there, isn't there? And so, like I say, I want to take the next couple minutes before we close. I want us to break down this passage and look at, um, you know, some of the difficult barriers in our lives that can cause relationships to be so messy sometimes. So, um, so the first one we want to look at in, in, in verses 19 through 24, uh, it talks about our tendency, the tendency of the human heart towards self-indulgence. So this is saying my behavior in the relationship is driven by uh, what I want, not what God wants. And how often do we find ourselves using a relationship for our own benefit rather than allowing God to accomplish his purposes through it? And I think this is, I think in many ways this is one of the main reasons that many marriages end in divorce. One of the main reasons I hear people divorcing, people will say things like, well, my needs just weren't getting met. Really? Well, in reality, you come into a marriage covenant, a marriage relationship. I know that sounds good. That sounds, like a, that sounds like something that you would hear people say today. That sounds like a valid reason almost at first. My needs weren't being met. But the reality is when you married, when you made that covenant, you were not. You were giving yourself to that other person. It was for better or for worse. What did you think worse looked like? How much worse than 2020? No, I'm just kidding. How, what did you think it looked like? It's not ever supposed to be about what we get. It's supposed to be about what we give. We have a responsibility to be like Christ to our spouse. So that the, the whole idea of, well, my needs just aren't being met. Guys, it, it's, it's that tendency toward self-indulgence. We have just made this covenant and these vows. We just made it all about us in the midst of it all. And I, I'm, not, I'm not validating, I'm, I'm not supporting abuse or anything. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. You guys know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that petty stuff that really trips us up over and over and over again. So the next tendency, it kind of talks about in verse 25, and it's talking about lies. And so the tendency is oftentimes towards deceit. Um, I will manipulate the truth to get what I want out of a relationship. Have you ever known someone that used and manipulated you to get what they wanted? Or vice versa. Have you ever been guilty of manipulating a relationship for your own benefit? I bet probably most of us have, whether it was our intent think about it. Yeah. going into it or not. Um, I think that that's something that, you know, that deceit to kind of get what we want. Yeah. Um, we've got we've to gotta check it. Uh, in verses 26 and 27, Paul is addressing our tendency, the tendency of the human heart toward anger. I want to control the relationship by venting my anger and holding it over you to control you. How many of you have been there before? Guys, really? It's nothing more than another form of manipulation. <laughs> Let's get real. It's witchcraft. It's manipulation. Um, in, in looking at it, um, you know, we're saying to somebody, you have made me so unhappy. You've disappointed me so much. I don't know if I can forgive you. And we just hold that over them as a form of manipulation. Instead of having a righteous conversation, we instead to decide to manipulate in anger. Um, you know, we've already talked about this a little bit, but there's the tendency towards selfishness. And actually, verse 28, when you read it, he basically says, quit stealing work, and then give to others, all right? And so, you know, what might that look like with selfishness is, you know, I want to protect what I have rather than offer it to serve you. Like, I want to hold on to it because I might just need it, and I don't, not necessarily going to help, help you with that. You know, we said a minute ago, Rob said a little bit about marriage, you know, that many times we look at a relationship 
for what we can get out of them rather than what we can add to them. Well, you know, they're going to complete me. Well, no, you come together. It's about blessing your spouse. It's about you guys working together. It's not about you. You know, we talk about um, tendencies towards selfishness. I don't know if you've ever been guilty of this or know this person. It makes me think of Joyce Myers when she's like, what about me? What about me? What about me? Um, You guys have probably heard that. Or, you know, like, well, that's just not fair. Okay, that's probably sometimes a selfish thought. Well, that's just, well, no, it's not fair. (laughs) Period. (laughs) We got to move on, right? Or, you know, what are those things that that we just hold on so tightly to that we're not willing to give to others or to bless others with? In verses 29 and 30 of that passage um, from Ephesians, Paul talks about the tendency toward unhelpful communication. (laughs) Guys, how many of you would say there's a lot of unhelpful communication right now? Look at verse 29. It says, do not use foul language or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words are an encouragement to those who hear them. How do you know if we as the church just followed that command right now, I I believe that we would have a little bit of a different atmosphere in our nation, in our country, in our communities right now. But everybody's bickering and feels like they have to say what pops in their head. And half of it, three-quarters of it, is not helpful. It's not helpful at all. There are so many opinions and voices out there that are not helpful. I think we could gain so much if we could learn to only speak what is helpful and righteous in a moment. Rather than using our voice to help somebody and to build them up and put them into a better position, we use it to make ourselves feel better, to try to prove a point, to try to build ourselves up and ensure that we are, it becomes about position, that we're in the top position. We think we know what's best, and and if you don't agree with me, then whatever, you know. Have you ever been tempted in the workplace or maybe even church setting, whatever it may be, to communicate somebody else's flaws? People do that generally because what they're doing is simply deflecting their own flaws and trying to find favor in other people's eyes. we got to make sure that our conversation, the words that come out of our mouth, are righteous and helpful to the conversation. Another tendency is the um, tendency towards division. And we see that in verse 31. It talks about, you know, bad behavior. Um, And oftentimes it kind of looks like, you know, I give in to the temptation to view you as an adversary rather than a companion in the struggle of our relationship. You're the enemy, and I am good. You are the problem, and I am good. That's probably the wrong perspective in most circumstances. You know, again, the relationship becomes oftentimes about position um, and where I stand rather than the companionship of let's walk together, let's work through this together. A lot of times we want to divide instead of bring unity within a relationship and a situation. And the last one I want to mention about that, about that passage in Ephesians is, is in verse 32, uh, Paul addresses the human tendency toward an unforgiving spirit. How many of us have been there before as well? I want to make them pay for their wrongs against me. I just don't know if I will ever be able to forgive that person for what they did. And this is many times where we feel like we have been hurt and we make that mistake of refusing to forgive or even seeking or maybe even seeking forgiveness ourselves because of our pride in a moment. We say, I have the right to be angry, and I will not forgive, instead of looking at our responsibility to respond in a righteous manner in the midst of the situation. So we just looked at seven tendencies um, that can be sinful within relationships, right? Um, And so I actually want to look at, like, the opposite of those. Um, So, you know, when we begin to run toward others, and sometimes that means running towards the mess. You know, Rob asked earlier, like, how do you deal with conflict? Do you run from it? Do you hold it in? Some of you just explode. Um, You know, sometimes we've got to address the conflict. There is a problem. Don't be blind, and let's figure out how we can work through this. Sometimes we've got to run toward the conflict. Um, And so when we do this, and we begin to do it the way that this passage says, this is what it can look like. So this is kind of like sin, devil's way, 
God's way, all right? And so this is actually going to be in your notes here, and you can see each one. But as we pursue after God, as we pursue after those relationships in a healthy manner, the first thing we understand is how much wiser God's plan is for us than our own plan. Amen to that. Oftentimes when we really do that, okay, God's got something going here that I didn't see. His ways are better than my ways. Um, The next thing is the life-changing power of truthfulness. Guys, here's the reality is truth does hurt sometimes, but if we embrace it and take it to the Lord, it can make us a better person. It can make us whole. It can bring healing into our lives. Kind of takes us to the next thing, um, the healing benefits of gentleness, patience, and love. How many of you guys know that when correction comes or when you're trying to work through something, if it's done in gentleness with patience and love, you're probably going to respond a lot better than if it's attacking, angry, hurtful, Accusations. Accusations and nobody's yeah. listening. It's yeah. just like, ah! you know, Rob and I so many times in talking to people and trying to encourage them to work through conflict to say, when this happens, this is how I feel, not you did this to me. You know, and so there's a way that we can um, go about that. So the healing benefits of gentleness, patience, and love, the joy of serving the needs of someone else. Guys, you know, when you're selfish, it's about you, and there you go. That's all the reward you get. But when you get to use your gifts and talents and you bless others, has anybody ever had that inside where you're like, oh, I did that for the Lord. It makes you feel so much better. It's kind of like those are like, you're like giving a gift to somebody that you know that they're just going to love. Mm-hmm. You get so excited opposed to just something for yourself. Um, the, value of loving, um, um, the value of loving and wholesome communication. Loving and wholesome. Wholesome, good communication, all right? not negative communication, the beauty of functional unity in a relationship. And then lastly, Rob talked about this, the freedom of practicing forgiveness. Holding on to things, you're going to become a bitter, mad, angry person. But when you can forgive and let the Lord heal, you're going to feel lighter, you're going to be happier, you're not going to be resentful. The wounds might still fester occasionally or something might happen again, but it's such a better place to live. And so all of this to say, guys, is that relationships can be very messy, but they are necessary and they are worth it. And guys, we just, as we, uh, as we close, we wanted to give you just a few examples to look at um, to navigate, you know, the mess of relationships successfully in this life. We need to act with humility and with forgiveness and with gentleness. And just, just a, a few examples, we were thinking about that. We were thinking of, uh, for example, in the Bible. How many of you remember as we were going through the story back a number of months ago, uh, we came to the place where Moses is, he's doing what God's called him to do. He's in his 80s. He's gone back to Egypt uh, and, and he's following God's plan, <laughs> even, even if it may have been reluctantly at first. Aaron is his mouthpiece. He leads the people out and, and they, they get the law and they're in the wilderness and suddenly his brother and sister are speaking against him publicly. Guys, that had to be tough. Moses had every right to say, I didn't want this to start with. I already had a family established. I, I did, all I've done is what God's told me to do. And he's got two of his closest family members that are openly speaking against him. And what does Moses do? We know the first thing he does is he goes to God. And we know that God was a, a bit angry at, at Aaron and Miriam. But we see the next thing that Moses does is Moses pleads for grace and mercy to God on behalf of his brother and sister. He speaks up on their behalf in the midst of it all. Uh, So many people today are willing to start arguments and even walk out on family over silly disputes. We see it in the church all the time. We see it in families all the time. People let them, we, we tend to let the most petty things stir us up. And next thing we know, we're abandoning our family. Guys, understand that even if it's a serious dispute, this is family and it's worth fighting for. Not fighting over, (laughs) fighting for. It's worth fighting for. It's worth fighting for the relationships. Do your part. Be willing to humble yourself, own your part in it. Seek forgiveness regardless of whether or not it's offered to you. Guys, God has given you family. He's given you a natural family. He's given you a spiritual family. He's given you a church family. Do your part. Own your part. Be humble. Ask forgiveness. Fight for those relationships. Rob just kind of gave an example of a family. 
I guess it'd be a birth family. I'm talking mm-hmm. about Aaron and Miriam and all them. Um, but like with a church family, what does that look like? A mess worth fighting for. Um, you know, there's so many examples of the church family that we could probably go on for days and talk about. Um, but let's talk about the one that's just staring us right in the face right now. And what is that? That's this COVID situation, right? And so, you know, some people have agreed, you know, close the church. Some of people have said, don't close the church. Um, They're not necessarily agreeing. But what matters is that we love those in our church family, no matter their opinion. That we've got to make sure that we stand together because we are family. You know, just this week, Rob already shared, you know, what we found out last Monday, that a couple people had tested positive, one of which was at church last week. And, um, you know, think about this for a moment. Okay, talk about a mess, right? So we get something on Monday, we have people go get tested, then we get information on Tuesday. Um, you've got one individual that, you know, has been diagnosed, and she's like, oh, I just can't believe this happened. You know, you've got another individual that wasn't at church but is physically suffering from some of the symptoms that come with it. Um, you've got the other individual, well, you know, maybe I, maybe I exposed somebody. And then there's this question, well, maybe I was exposed. So you've got a lot of thoughts and a lot of emotions going on. You know, so you've got maybe those that COVID hit them immediately in their bodies and in their homes. It inconvenienced them. But let's look at the flip side of that. You know, we've had people in our church this week that have prepared meals for those that were affected by it. We had individuals that had birthdays that were cooped up at home, that different family members went and dropped off gifts or cards or balloons at their front porch. We had people that prepared meals for them. Um, How many of you know that even doing that can be an inconvenience sometimes, Hmm. that it can change your plans? Y'all, I had two ladies that went searching for disinfectant cleaners at numerous yep. stores to drop off at some of these homes. And there, I met one of them is like, I'm going to go try one more store, and I'll see what I can do. So here's the whole point. It's been messy on both sides for everybody, for Rob and I, for the leadership here at the church. What do I do? What do I don't do? Oh, we just found out this. Oh, we just, you know, and you're like, God, can you just, like, rain down the answer? <laughs> And spell it out in the sand, right? Just write it out there for it. It is messy. But here's what I do know. In all this mess, it is making us stronger as a church. It is making us stronger as the body of Christ. Um, And every bit of it is worth it. Would I just want to repeat it over? No. (laughs) Have we learned some things from it? Yes. Will we continue to work through it? Absolutely. But we are not going to place any blame on any one person or people because they agree or disagree with somebody within this church family. And so this makes us stronger. Do we like it? Absolutely not. It is messy, but it is worth the mess because we are family. Um, And just in closing with guys, Rob's hit this a couple times, but don't cause arguments in the family. Don't cause arguments. Don't post unnecessary comments. Let's obey the word and be peacemakers. We are all in this together. Amen. And guys, I, in that, I, I have no doubt, you know, we've, since we, we were doing the story at the beginning of the year, we've talked about the upper story and the lower story. Guys, you do recognize this period of time we're living in right now as the church. It's part of that timeline I showed you the first couple of weeks. It would show up right on there. And God is still weaving his purposes right through the midst of it all. And we've got to make sure that we are looking to the upper story and what's going on, even though we're having a hard time and only being able to see through the lower story. I want to close by mentioning in our community, um, all the things that we've mentioned today apply outside the church. It applies outside our home. I mean, what about your workplace? What about those you still come in contact with in public? It's funny, I have this down in my notes and and what I just said earlier, but regardless of COVID-19, we are still called to reach others for Christ, and that requires relationship. And I I love... um, from last week, the testimony uh, uh, that, um, that our elder, that Jerry gave about ministering to the guy in line, both standing there in masks, kind of distanced apart in line at Walmart. And next thing you know, Jerry's talking to this guy and praying with him in line at Walmart. What a, what a divine appointment. What a moment. I mean, that's the church, guys. That's the church. That's it right there. That is so much more the church 
than these four walls could ever be in a thousand years. That's the church. I love, uh, we heard from again from, uh, from Carlina about how, you know, she started, she's got this flower business going and she's talked about how it has given her so many opportunities to minister to people selling them flowers at the farmer's market, in, in, uh, at the courthouse there in, in Olive Branch and stuff. She has been able to minister God's love to people and it's just come forth naturally. That is the church. That is what it is supposed to look like. And so God's mandate has not changed. And so we are still called to be the church, and the church is still about relationships, and COVID-19 doesn't change anything. If it changes anything, it's just simply some methods in the midst of it all. It changes, not change our mandate. So we like to say jokingly that the church would be perfect if it weren't for all the people. We love to think sometimes the relationships would be easy if it weren't for everybody else. But there's one common denominator every time we say that, and it's me. It's us. It's us individually. And that's what we've got to stop and look at is it starts with us. What does it all boil down to? It boils down to the fact that we have got to deny ourselves and we've got to lift up the cross in the middle of everything. And love God, love people. That's what it's all about in the midst of it all. And, and Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 and 26, Jesus said to his followers, if anyone wants to be my follower, he must forget about himself. He has to take up his cross and follow me. How many of you know that would make relationships much simpler if we chose to forget about ourselves and take up our cross and follow him? Verse 25, if anyone wants to keep his life safe, he'll lose it. If anyone wants to give up his life because of me, he will save it. For what does a man have if he gets all the world and loses his own soul? What can a man give to buy back his soul? Guys, relationships can be very messy. But God says that they are necessary and they are worth it. They're worth fighting for. We have got to come together as the body of Christ and be that shining beacon of hope that God has called us to be to the world today. Amen? Why don't you all just, just bow your heads for just a moment, and you want to lead us in prayer? Put you on the spot. Wherever you're at right now, if you'll just close your eyes, bow your head, kind of do that just to get rid of some of those distractions. Lord, we just thank you for the word that has come forth today. Or that you created people, you created people for relationship. You created us to have relationship with you. You created us to have relationship with one another. And what I think what stands out most to me today is I need to get me out of the way so that you can shine through. And so, Lord, right now as Christ followers, we just say, Holy Spirit, show us, identify within us if there is any Thing within us that is keeping a relationship from being what you have called it to be. Lord, if there's pride, if there's selfishness, if there's unforgiveness, if there's hurt or angry, anger, wounds, Lord, your desire is not for us to carry those things and to hold them because then we can't love the way that you love. And so, Father, I pray that you show each one of us right now exactly what it is that we need to really just repent of, to apologize for, and then choose to walk out your word. Lord, I pray right now that you just speak to every, each one of us as we evaluate our hearts. Show us any areas where, where we're selfish, where relationships aren't the way that they need to be. Show us those that we need to pursue. Maybe show us those that we need to just kind of back away from. Show us those things that we need to seek after and those things that we need to not seek after. Lord, just like that last verse that Rob read, is it truly is all about you. God, it is our desire that we will shine so big that your love just comes out of us, that people don't see Shauna, that people don't see Rob, that People don't see our faults and our flaws, but that you shine so big that your love comes out of us with every single person that we come in contact with. And so right now we choose to repent of those areas in our life that don't please you, that are contrary to what your word says. And we say we're sorry. We repent. 
You say we're not going to hold on to those ways. They are not going to define us any longer. They are not who we are. But we are going to walk in unforgiveness. We're going to walk in love. We're going to walk in gentleness. Our communication is going to be uplifting and encouraging because we love you more than we love ourselves and more than we love being right. And as always, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you haven't surrendered your heart to him, if you recognize that in this whole conversation about relationships and being messy, if I, I would just ask you right now, how would you deem your relationship with God right now? If you had to put on Facebook right now your relationship status with God, would it be great? Would it be complicated? Would it be messy? And maybe you would even say it's non-existent. As the Bible says, that all you've got to do is humble yourself, put down your pride, repent of your sin, and turn to him. Receive him as the Lord of your life and choose to follow him and you will be saved. And so if that's you and you recognize that you're in that place right now, I just encourage you, just right where you're at, whatever your situation may look like, maybe you're at home, maybe you're in the car, I don't know. Just pray a simple prayer. You can do it in your own words. It can just be something like, Father God, I recognize I've tried to live this life my own way. I've thought I knew what was best. Looking at it now, I recognize that it was really all just pride and arrogance. Jesus, I need you. I recognize without you, I am, I am a miserable mess. And so today, Jesus, I, I declare to you that I believe that you're the son of the living God, that you came willfully, your own free will, and you, you gave your life for me, and you took the judgment that I deserved for my sins, not yours. You took my sins and my judgment and you died for it. And I receive that sacrifice today as my own, and I'm so thankful to you, Jesus, for the price that you paid. And I call you today, I declare that you are Lord of my life, and I'll follow you all the days of my life until the end, until I take that last breath and I find myself in eternity, and then on beyond from there. Holy Spirit, fill me and empower me to be everything you've called me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. You are Lord of my sin.